0: turn your Bibles with me to Acts, or Isaiah chapter 59. And so, let's do that now. Lord Jesus, we come to you in prayer, asking for you to meet us here in this sanctuary on this morning to teach us from your word. We desire to have hearts that are truly in alignment with your heart. We weep for those who are weeping this morning. Countless people who have been impacted by the deaths of loved ones. Those that are still injured and hurting and those that are just broken emotionally by the tragedies that have come in their paths this week. Pray for our our country in which has wandered so far from our holy God. We've done everything to shun you and to keep you from within their minds. We we pray, Lord, that, that you would work mightily returning people, bringing people unto you. We pray, Lord, that you would enable us to sweetly be able to look to your word, to have a proper view of who you are, who man is, and that we would have just clarity in the gospel to be able to bring people to you, to salvation, to, to be able to see the way in which we are freed from all sin. And, and I pray, Lord, that, that as a church, that we would, um, in times where there's just incredible darkness, that we would be a beacon of light, In a nation in which there is need for salt, may we be that which flavors all that is around us. So we ask you to to meet us here and to teach us from your holy word, in Jesus' name, amen. We had a wonderful time up on the men's retreat, and uh, many of you men were up there on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And being up on the retreat, we talked about just the difficulties of things that could happen as we come back down the mountain and um, putting on the full armor of God and and being in a place where we're just abiding in him. And that night I, I went to bed and the last thing I had seen come up on my phone was that two people had died in a shooting. And in Las Vegas, and I looked at that, and just um, my heart just came to a place of like again, and and uh, it was just the first little message I came as a as a headline within my phone, and I woke up the next morning to look at my phone again to see what happened while I slept, and and it said that there was over fifty people that had been killed, and and then my heart just went to a place of over. 50 Fifty, and then you think of the growing to, to fifty eight and fifty nine with the the shooter, and over five hundred people that were injured, and and picturing all that took place. Um, Jonathan had had um, we talked about what took place to some degree, and then he went to school and learned more about what took place, and then. We went to an appointment in which we were going to a, a doctor's appointment took him out of school a little bit early and we're on a parking lot he's trying to he's asking me like what what, what was it like what took place and we're sitting in the midst of buildings that where his appointment was and, and there were the building I, I counted 28 stories and so I said picture four more stories taking place and we were in a, a parking lot that was just surrounded and I said now imagine 20 some thousand people there and you can't get away and you're in a place where there's shots that are being fired and there's no place to run and, and that's what was taking place and, and being in the midst of those buildings you could just imagine just the, a, a feeling of just utter helplessness and being there and not being able to defend yourself or truly to be do, be able to defend others and just the horror of such a heinous heinous crime and And sadly, we we, we can look at what took place this last week and think simply just another mass shooting that's occurred. I mean, you go through just recent history and and you see that there was, with the exception of of the, the shooters, there were 58 killed this October 1st. 49 were killed on June 12th of 2016. In Orlando, at the nightclub, thirty-two killed on April sixteenth of two thousand seven at Virginia Tech. Twenty-seven killed in, on December fourteenth of two thousand twelve. That horrific event at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Twenty-three killed in nineteen ninety-one. In at Luby's cafeteria you see in 1984 21 killed when in in San Ysidro California 21 adults that were killed and children at a McDonald's 18 killed on August 1st of 1966 in Austin, Texas 14 killed on December 2nd of 2015 there in San Bernardino. 14 killed on August 20th of 1986 in Oklahoma from the mail carrier Patrick Henry, Shirell. 13 killed on November 5th of 2009 there at Fort Hood. 13 killed on April 3rd of 2009 in Birmingham, New York, thirteen killed on April twentieth of nineteen ninety nine at the Columbine High School, and we get just looking. It goes on. Those are the top, some of the top, the biggest shootings that have occurred, and majority have taken place just in recent years. And we look at this, and we. We see within the news and we hear within people and even just amongst ourselves wondering why would someone do that i mean that's been the the biggest question that, that has been on the news recently is just why what was his motives why would he do that why would anybody do such a thing of killing 58 people why knock out those windows why at a concert like that why would they do something so horrific so heinous. You'll hear people say things like it's just incredible evil that has occurred. Recognizing that it's evil, recognizing that it's wrong. The moral compass of even knowing that something's evil is that there is a God that says there's things that are right and there's things that are wrong. And we live amongst a culture in which they've pushed relativism upon us, that there's no such thing as absolutes. But across our nation, you will find people that will say that was absolutely evil, by and large. It's evil what took place heinous crime that has occurred and so as we look at these things i want to be able to look at it from just a biblical perspective of how do we as christians look upon things like this it's not just these mass shootings we can look at the mass shootings and see them and, and see them to be things that are just absolutely horrible that have occurred but we live in a world in, in which there's all kinds of evil that occurs we, we don't know whether um, North Korea truly will fire a n- nuclear weapon. We don't know what will take place if, if if they were to fire that towards South Korea, or whether they fired that towards Japan, or whether they fired it towards any other country that's nearby there, or, or or if it's in fact true that they can hit mainland United States. We, we live in a in a, in a world in which there's so much uncertainty, but we, we live in a world in which there's just incredible evil. You, you think of things that have taken place with, with in our lifetime of, of incredible genocide, like what took place in Rwanda in 1994. They don't even know the number of people that were killed. They They, they assume it's someplace between 500,000 and a million people that were killed. But you're talking about That kind of numbers of people being killed in a period of from April through July, up to a million people killed between April and July, just massive numbers of people. Um, A couple million people in, in a population of of eight million people, up to two and a half million people killed in Cambodia. In the 1970s, in the killing fields, 20,000 mass graves that were found of the just heinous crime of just shooting and killing millions of people. You you, you see that within man, there's, there's just incredible wickedness that man is capable of. I picture times that I've spent in South Sudan where. Um, during the war that was was occurring, where I, I'd see little kids who were just shrapnel that had just thrashed their their face, their faces or their bodies. The the, the government of Sudan flying over villages on Sunday mornings and from their Antonovs dropping bombs on churches because they knew that at that time people would be worshiping and being there to, to see just incredible wickedness. Sweet girl Rebecca Kusunoki who who I met there in, in, in her hometown and, and and she had a bandage around her leg and, and listening to her story of, of how just as this young child, her her mom who's pregnant can't run from the militia, they shoot and kill her mom. They shoot and kill the the, her father's other wife they they shoot and kill her siblings and at least some couple of her siblings and then they she's told to run and she runs and they just fire and shoot her in the back of the leg and leave her for dead and you you think a child here's soldiers and, and they're just playing this game amongst shooting a child and and you don't have to go far throughout history to be able to know that we live in, in, in a world in which there is just gross sin where w- we can look upon it and say how is this even possible who does things like that what gets into the mind of somebody to bring them to a place of doing something so heinous as that and and i think of just how how we can look at these mass situations of, of what occurs and try to get into the minds of these kind of killers and, and have our hearts break at these things and yet Statistically speaking, there'll be 45 people who were murdered in our country today. Today. And statistically speaking, there'll be 45 people who'll be murdered in our country tomorrow. And for those families of those who have lost a loved one to those 45 families that lose a loved one this day to being murdered by somebody, it will seem to them as big as any Las Vegas, as big as any Sandy Hook, as big as anything else, because it's mom, it's dad, it's son, it's daughter, it's brother, it's sister. And we, we can look around and just find a gross, incredibly gross, horrific sin In the world in which we live. And in mass shootings like we saw this week. um, It's more difficult to just numb ourselves to the fact that there's 45 people who are killed each day. And to be able to look at it and say, why? What, What are we supposed to think of these things? How are we supposed to think? And so let's look to God's word. Turn with me to Isaiah 59, verse 1. In Isaiah 59, verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is is His ear heavy that it cannot hear. This is, is, in this first verse, is absolutely vital for us as believers to know that These things do not take place because we serve a God who is not all-powerful. We serve a God who is one who has all power. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. There's nothing that's too difficult for Him. We serve a God in whom He created a world in which it was perfect, um, and sin entered that world. Man... eating of a forbidden tree, and you watch sin and death enter into the world. One of the first heinous sins that you see is a brother killing another brother, shedding his blood, killing a brother. Gross sin, horrible sin. And yet, God tells us over and over again in Scripture, It's not that His hand is shortened. It's not that He cannot save. It's not that His ear is is heavy or or that He cannot hear. We serve a God who is all-powerful, a God who knows all things, a God who... There's no one that can stop His hand. There's no one that can say, what are you doing? We serve a God who is sovereign over all things. And we must begin with that. If any of us have... A desire to go in a direction of trying to understand the evil in which we live in and try to bring us to a place of God is not sovereign, therefore these things happen. If that's the way you come to the conclusion of, of working through these things, that price is way too high. You're totally okay to have this be mystery for you for the rest of your life rather than say that God is not sovereign or that he is not all good or that he does not know all things or that he has no ability to change circumstances or hearts or decree things in different ways. God is sovereign over all things, and yet he has decreed and allowed incredible wickedness to occur here on this earth, including his son having his blood spilled on Calvary 2,000 years ago. We talk about innocence. Christ came and the Father gave his son to be crucified for us. His hand is not shortened. His ears are not heavy. But verse 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice. Nor does anyone plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. This is just God describing mankind. This is what man is like. They trust in empty words. Their hope is in false gods. They go after all kinds of things. And then they they, they lay upon their beds and they just conceive of evil. And then they bring forth iniquity. The, the, this man who did this horrific crime, sin, sat and pondered, how can I do this? I need cameras. I need a hammer. I need these weapons. I need the weapons to be able to do this. And I want it to be in these circumstances. And I'll arrive there on Thursday, and I'll watch what's taking place, and then I will plan it to see how I can kill as many people as I possibly can. This was thought out. It was planned. He laid upon his bed, and as scripture tells us here, to conceive evil and to bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave spiders' webs. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed a viper breaks out it's not just an event that occurred it is the the, this is this is a lifestyle of sin and wickedness their webs will not become garments nor will they cover themselves with their works their works are works of iniquity or sin and the act of violence is in their hands Their feet run to evil. Their feet run to evil. They're not hesitant in it. They run towards these things. And they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their desire is to do this and to do it quickly. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known. and There is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Therefore, justice is far from us. Nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there's darkness, for brightness, but we walk in blackness. We grope for the wall like the blind. We we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are as dead men in desolate places. We all growl like bears and we moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there's none, for salvation, but it's far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, And our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth has fallen in the street, Inequity cannot enter, so truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. An incredibly horrific view of man, isn't it? And yet, it's a proper view of man. We'll look at that in a moment. But notice the hope that we find. In verse 15 there it continues to say then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor therefore his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness it sustained him where does that salvation comes from? it comes from Christ it comes from a Messiah for he put on righteousness as a breastplate And a helmet of salvation on his head. He did this through Christ, through his shed blood. Full armor of God is given to us through this breastplate of righteousness and this helmet of salvation that comes through faith in our Messiah who took our sins upon himself and gives us his righteousness. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. The co will he will fully repay. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, This is my covenant with them, my spirit who is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth. They shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forever. And we would fit within that category. What an awesome chapter to look at as far as reading this to be able to see the sin of man. and the hope of salvation the way in which god views mankind why would someone commit such a heinous crime in a mass shooting romans 3 talks about this as well quoting from this particular passage their feet are swift to shed blood their feet are swift to shed blood destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace they have not known There is no fear of God before their eyes. No peace. Isaiah 57 verse 20 says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. He was in a place in that hotel room. There is no peace. None whatsoever. No understanding of salvation. No understanding of ways in which one can be freed from sin and hope, have hope within this world. And as this particular person, as all those that have gone before him, and all those that commit other heinous crimes around this world, there is no fear of God before his eyes. There was none. He did not sit there and be there within that room thinking that there was a holy fear of god there was none doing whatever was right in his own eyes whatever his heart desired whatever wickedness he wanted to do that is what he did there was no fear of god before his eyes there was no fear of god he wasn't afraid of god um, proverbs sixteen six tells us that by the fear of the lord men depart from evil But there was no departing from evil. There was no wondering what God might do to him. Robert Haldane wrote this. It's astonishing that men, while they acknowledge that there is a God, should act without any fear of his displeasure. Yet this is their character. They fear a worm of the dust like themselves, but disregard the Most High. They're more afraid of man than of God, of his anger, his contempt, or ridicule. The fear of man prevents them from doing many things from which they are not restrained by the fear of God. They love not his character, not rendering to to it that veneration which is due. They respect not his authority, such is the state of human nature while the heart is unchanged. There is no fear of God, none. Romans 1.28 tells us more about mankind. Verse 28 says, and Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't, they, 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 he didn't even want to think about a God that exists, not the holy God of the Bible. They don't even want to retain God in their knowledge. And so God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, Now, I'm going to just stop for a moment. This isn't just talking about this particular man that did this mass shooting. This is talking about all mankind. All of them. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, Evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same thing but also approve of those who practice them. This is just God just saying, "This is mankind. You look at the, the, the sin within people. All unrighteousness. All of these things that go totally against the holy God of this universe. Haters of God, it tells us. They do things, thing after thing after thing. And w- w- when you read a passage like that, you, you just, you you picture... And the last part of that verse, eventually everybody will die. Let's listen to a question that's posed to Christ and his response. Luke 13, verse 1. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. These people are killed. Their blood's mingled with the sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they, offered, because they suffered such things? Um, there's things, people that say things like, well, this took place in Vegas because there's so much sin in Vegas and they, and, and they try to rationale, rationalize things like this. May we not think like that. I mean, God's saying, is, is it? Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Unless you repent, you will perish too. Everybody dies, but there is something far worse than death. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Jesus went on to say, or those 18 of whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? towers that fall whether it was an earthquake or it was built poorly or whatever it fell at this particular time killed 18 people and jesus says do you think they were worse sinners than the others that dwelt in jerusalem i tell you no but unless you repent you will all likewise perish everybody will die repent be right with god trust in christ or you will all likewise perish jesus said My friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but after that, have no more that they can do. But I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. This person had no fear of God in his eyes. But God says that all unbelievers have no fear of God in their eyes. They don't fear him. God's saying, fear him. There's something that's far worse than death, and that is death apart from Christ. But we look and we read in Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Psalm 72 says, for he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence and precious shall be their blood in his sight. We serve a God who saves. May this enable us to have such a proper view of the power of our God and the sin of mankind. I don't think people have been walking around this week thinking man's basically good. Incredible evil that took place. Man's evil, simple. Some people's consciences are more seared than others. Some people's hearts are more hard than the others. But there's a depravity of all man, and it's total. You look at people like this, and you think there's an utter depravity about that person. But for all people, there is a total Depravity. A sin that is there that is in desperate need of a Savior. And we have hope like the world does not hope. We have hope in a God who is sovereign and a God who rescues people from sin and a God that can make it so that we will not perish but have everlasting life. We read Jesus saying, that, Are some more sinners than others? Is that why they suffer? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What a place to be to know that we will not perish, but have everlasting life. And we have the hope of that. We have the hope of a God that can make sense of things and that He can work them together for good. A God that promises us in the end that He will remove all sin take us into eternity with Him where there's neither death, there's no sin, there's no sorrow, there's no tears. Things are removed. There's no more pain. The former things are removed. We're made new creations in Christ. We live in eternity in a place of absolute perfection. And it's not based upon our worth. It's based upon His accomplishment for us on the cross and our faith in Him. The best news that anybody could ever, ever possibly hear We live in a world that is filled with incredible wickedness. Yet we serve a God who took that sin upon himself as he hung on that cross for us. Sin. You look at that particular man up there in that hotel, 32 floors up, just firing into a crowd. And then you look at your own sin. Whatever it is that you've done. Capable of, like that particular man, keeping you from eternity in heaven. Keeping you from the glory of God. Keeping you out of the joy of the Lord. Making it so that you are experiencing the wine. of The wrath of Almighty God. The fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God in its full strength. And he took that upon himself on the cross so that we would not be under it ever again. That there would be therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No wrath, no suffering, no pain. It's removed because it was all placed upon Christ. The sting of death has been removed. May it cause us to love the salvation in which we have and be thankful for the cross and bring to this world that is full of all kinds of sin to a Savior who can forgive all kinds of sin. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that we don't serve a God who has arms or hands that are short where they can't save, or ears that are heavy that you can't hear. We serve a God who is full of righteousness and has made a way of salvation. He's given us a Savior and it's Christ the Lord. We thank you so much for the cross. We thank you so much for the salvation that we have. We thank you so much, Lord, that you are the one that is sovereign and you're the one that's in control and you could take things as horrific as what we experienced today or this week and work it together for good within our own hearts. Cause us to hold lightly to the things of this world and to be... have those that with, with, with minds that have an eternal perspective, looking unto the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, pointing people towards you, encouraging people in the gospel, encouraging one another, being a place, ministering one to another with hearts that are weeping with those that are weeping, rejoicing with those that are rejoicing. May we have hearts that are like that and that are just centered upon you and the truth that we find in the gospel, in the pages of your scripture. When the world has no truth, Lord, we have truth and it's perfect and it's right and it's proper and it gives hope to all people. Give us boldness to proclaim that gospel. Give us boldness to comfort in a sovereign God. Give us boldness to point people to the only place in which they could go and find fountains of living water that will cause them to never thirst again. Find help for their weary souls. May we go to you and may we point others towards you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.